on today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I just realized I had to stop entering situations where I felt like I wasn't I wasn't getting the value of what I was worth because when I do that, then I just, I'm executing because I said I was going to do something, but then I'm like stank acting and I'm like angry. (laughs) This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on Ladies' Night, focusing on self-care for Black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. Hey, are we ready, special guest? Look at her, she. <laughs> hey there. Hey, Simone, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for saying yes. I was so excited when you replied. And I was like, you know what? I want this sister on and bam, it happened. Yes, girl, of course. How was your day today? Busy, busy, exhausting, blah, blah, blah. But I'm here now. I was making sure this was a priority. So, yes, I have to do some me time. Exactly, right? So um, I just want to get into it and just let everyone know my motivation for having you on. So if some of you do or do not know, Simone was a cast member on Ready to Love. And what drew me to Simone, it wasn't any of the chit-chatting, none of that. It was when she mentioned that she went to therapy. 
I literally levitated it off of my chair. And I was like, a sister, a sister's talking about mental health on a national platform. And that was a couple years ago you were on, right? Right. It was in 2020. Mm-hmm. 2020. From 2020 to 2021, that season. Yes, ma'am. And it's literally been ingrained in my head since then. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that, that's what I got out of anything. That was one of the paramount uh, topics that I got from the show. And I thought it was amazing. So then when I saw that you had your own podcast, I said, you know, I definitely want to always align myself with people who freely and openly talk about mental health because there's such a stigma in our community. I'm sure you know that, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's getting better though. It is getting better. You know what? I, I do agree with you on that, especially with social media mm-hmm. and more people talking about it. But what I love is more people are talking about it as opposed to mega superstars, which is amazing, but right. everyday people people who do have a platform. So I do agree it is getting better. It is. So um, yeah, what are some some taboo things you've heard about mental health? Um, well, I, well, first of all, I hate the name. I'm gonna just say that. I hate the name mental health. It just, it makes you sound crazy. I feel like they should call it adulting. Like, oh, I'm having issues with adulting. Not like I'm having issues with my mental health, right? Because at the end of the day, when you're having issues with your mental health, what you're really having issues with are some of the day-to-day challenges of being an adult, of being a person with responsibilities. So if someone was like, oh, girl, I'm having trouble with adulting, you'd be like, girl, me too. Let me tell you about my boss or let me tell you about my job or, you know, let me tell you about, tell you about my children or my ex-husband. So yeah. I always felt like, you know, they could really work on some remarketing, rebranding, I would say. You know what? I like that, the rebranding part, because you're right. If you mention mental health in our community, that is literally like acid to some people's ears. Yeah, because it sounds like mentally ill and it sounds like crazy. And we know truly nutty people, truly crazy people. And I think that that is solely distinct, like because what we think of, I feel like, is the total extreme, right? That schizophrenic extreme. Right. No one, we're not taught or we have, don't have an idea of all the in-betweens of the, you know, getting having difficulty getting out of bed multiple days in a row, mm-hmm. but yet doing it because you have to, because you got to pay your bills. You got to keep them lights on. That that too is an example of a mental health challenge and exactly. can be an indication of depression. Right. And depression isn't the end of the world. No, it's not. Yeah, I've had depression before and nobody knew because I was functioning. So, right. It doesn't have a face. I always say if you if you have if you're an adult and you haven't had depression, then you haven't been passionate enough about something. Okay, so we just dropping gems early on in this. I see that what we doing. I love it. (laughs) Whether it's work or a relationship, you just haven't been passionate about it. If you were not depressed when something didn't go through, when you felt like it failed, then you haven't loved anything enough. I don't want to even be you. Because <laughs> it's something about having a passion, even if it doesn't quite work out, that at the time when it's at its height, it's an amazing, exhilarating high. And you know, that this these are facts. You know, I always would say that 
going to a therapist, something doesn't always have to be wrong. Sometimes you just <laughs> want to work on communication skills or your next path in life. And sometimes you just need a little guidance. I, that's okay too. Right. Um, yeah. With my boyfriend, I have, I told him that I'm like, Hey, do you think we should go um, to a couple's therapists? He was like, but nothing's wrong. And I was like, I know that, but if we're marriage minded, they can always give us tips or tricks. I feel like it's like going to tutoring, right? There are a lot of parents out there. You send your kids to Kumon, you send your kids to Sylvan Learning Center. Do you wait until they've gotten an F till they're failed? Till they're right. able to the grade? No. You wait until you see, okay, wait a minute, we've got some areas of improvement. And when you realize with those areas of improvement, the tools that I have access to alone mm-hmm. aren't enough to get me where I'd like to be. Right. You know, <laughs> one of my therapist friends, she had mentioned that she tells her clients that who are apprehensive about, about going to therapy and have that stigma attached. And she's like, well, say you are going to go on a scuba diving trip. You want to learn how to swim before you jump in the ocean, right? Yeah. And then they say, well, yeah. She's like, okay, so this is just, you just getting ahead of the game. So, you know, speaking of your relationship, I wish I would have known what I know now back then when I was in relationships before if I would have gone to therapy, at least to know my own communication skills and where some of my little hiccups and glitches are. Do you feel like that's helped you? Oh, or for sure. Actually, I had a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend that I just knew I was dumping. He he got on my last nerve. And he knew. He knew he was out of there. He was gone because he just did something that was horrible. And he just begged me, please, please, will you go to therapy with me? Please, please. Mind you, at this point, we had only been together six maybe four months, six months, whatever it was. Right. I was like, I was like, no, I just want to dump you. But, but <laughs> I was of the age where I was like, you know what? I don't want to be one of those people who has second thoughts or second guesses about any past relationships. When I have, when I in this relationship, I don't want to look back because that's not fair to anyone in my future. Right. If I can't close mm. that door. So I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and do this therapy. Cause when it don't work, that I'll be able to feel confident that it it wasn't me, that I gave it my all, it was us. And so sure enough, we did. And the best part on our first session, the therapist told us, oh, and I let him, he'd never been to therapy before. Oh, really? Ever. And so, and he didn't really believe in it. He just was trying to save the relationship. And I let him pick the therapist. He chose to do, he Mm -hmm. wanted to do a faith-based because you know, he believed in pastors more than therapists. I said, whatever you want. He picked, I said, you can pick because I'm Catholic. So he don't trust nothing, nothing with the Catholic church. So I said, okay, that's your business. He right. picked a pastor and pastor's wife couple. And in our first session, which was in their home, they basically asked, asked him like, what was the issue? And he was, they were like, that's it. They were like, oh, y'all ain't got no real problems. Not y'all don't have infidelity. Y'all don't have this, I don't that. Basically, he was complaining that I wasn't doing what he wanted when he wanted it done. What? And I was like, and I'm still not going to do what you want when it's done. I just need somebody <laughs> else to tell you that your request or literally one of his complaints was that I wouldn't clean up behind myself. He would like if I would 
if I was not at his house more than like two days in a row and I went back to my own, he'd be like, where are you? I miss you. Like he would always want me over. Well, right. I told him from the beginning, you know, when people tell you like, oh, you're such a great catch. Why are you single? And I was like, well, I don't know, but I know that I'm messy and I'm disorganized and I'm a borderline hoarder. I get it from my granny, bless her heart. And so I would be messy. Well, I bought a house. I have a housekeeper that would go to my house. I would have her come to his house. He complained to the pastor. He said, she's really messy. And she has this housekeeper come clean my house. He goes, oh my God, that's, I'm, that's such a blessing. I know. He goes, he said, actually, my wife is the same way who was sitting right there. He said, I had, and, and he said, I had asked her, I told her at the beginning of our marriage, I was going to hire someone to come clean the house like every other week. And she said, heck no, you better not have no woman up in my house and refused it and so he said as a result he for throughout their marriage just had to clean the house he he pastored the church and had to come home and clean the house and that's just what it was right. and so he was saying the fact that simone has acknowledged this is a weakness and has said but this is a solution that i'm presenting and you're saying no i don't want your solution i want you to do it says it's this isn't about finding a solution this is about your control control i was that was ringing in my head the control part. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Look. But I knew he needed a third party. And so that's what that's what I loved about relationship therapy. And for anybody who's watching who's in a relationship or maybe has one of those relationships where y'all do the yo-yo game, you break up, you get back together and you look up five years later, y'all still are not engaged or anything. Mm -hmm. Therapy could be good because y'all need to uh, get that closure. You need to poop or get off the pot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about the therapist is he would get on my nerves. He would be doing stuff all week. And whereas I used to pick, I would immediately be like, why did you say? I would save it. And I said, well, I would think to myself, well, I can't wait till Tuesday. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to tell on you on Tuesday, right? It's like, like when you're a kid, you'd be like, I can't wait to tell my mom you when she get home from work. So I would save everything to Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I'd present. And it would be. But during the week, it was so much more peaceful. He got to the point where he was like, why didn't you tell me when it first happened? I said, because you don't listen to me. If I would have said this at home, you would have you would have went on and on about how my, my issue or my concern was invalid. But now that you're doing this in front of your pastor, you have to listen. And he did. <laughs> wow. So it can certainly be, it can be a tool to get, Third party, uh, bias, unbiased, unbiased buy-in, particularly where the party who is hesitant to go, you have that person pick the therapist because then they can't claim bias. You pick them. That's right. And for that, for that machismo guy, right, who has to be right all the time, they're not ever going to, they're not going to come back and be like, oh, well, I was wrong. No, they're going to step back. They're going to listen. They're either going to fix it or you know what you're getting. And then that's your decision, whether that's something you're going to stick with. Because he ain't changing. Once you get married, it's going to get worse or he's going to stay the same. Because now he got you. He ain't going. He knows you can't go nowhere real easily. That's not without a court order. <laughs> and for those who do not know, Simone is an attorney. So she does know this. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. we definitely want to talk about at the end when we finish up. Sure. With your new podcast. I love it. Love it. Thank love you. it. So what are some uh what are some stigmas that you've heard in addition to what we just talked about about adulting? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, 
that people are crazy or, um, you know, you don't want to deal with a crazy, like there, now there's a lot of people getting diagnosed bipolar, a lot, a lot, a lot. So a lot of guys are like, Ooh, I don't want to deal with the bipolar guy, girl or guy or vice versa. I know I don't want to deal with, but I'll tell you, I don't want to deal with anybody who does not take their medication. <gasps> I, I have a friend who used to say, well, I don't like taking my medicine. I don't like the way it makes me feel. And I said, well, I like the way it makes me feel when I'm around you. <laughs> so if we're going to go on this girl's trip for four days, I need you to agree to take your medicine. You know, it's so funny you said that because, mm, okay, I'll say it. Go I worked, for it. <laughs> I worked with someone and they had a diagnosis and they said the same thing. They, they didn't like taking it. And I get it. If it doesn't, if you don't like how it feels, but that's why you go back to get it tweaked. You do. And you can't yeah, give up. exactly. And it you can't get, give up. And it wasn't and instant give up. as you're changing your medicines, if you're dating someone, you have an obligation to inform the person that you're dating. So I have challenges with ADD medications. I don't like them because I got very addicted and I had to go to rehab to even realize I was addicted and then get off of really? it. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. That's actually how I ended up going to therapy with my dad and working on our relationship. Because I was so successful... He refused to acknowledge that there were any flaws in his parenting style. Understandably. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, this sounds so familiar. Yeah. And it's understandable. I get it. I totally get it. You know, you got this pretty little girl and you're you're a guy who's an old school player player. You know, my daddy used to be a hoe. A lot, of, I mean, and a lot of girls wanted him to be their pimp. I mean, he's good looking, fly. His little nickname in the hood was in the projects was Rocky because he was who you call to be somebody's behind. Okay. Are you serious? He was really? Of course. What's an old school hoe? An old school player's fear that their gorgeous, beautiful daughter will become a loosey goosey, right? That she will be beholden to a man and only rely on her looks and her beauty. So he was mm. pretty hard on me. He was real hard on me. And, you know, not nurturing and loving, but he was critical. You know, that was his style. He did the best with what he knew. But as a result, um, you know, there are two ways that you can approach your daddy issues. You can be a whore. You can be a super success and say, I'm going to be so successful. I'm going to get the hell out of this house and never have to deal with anybody like this. Yes. That was my approach. Right. And in doing so, I put an unreasonable amount of pressure on myself, (gasps) but an unhealthy amount Similar to uh, Chesley, Chesley Chris, I was, no matter what I did, I I felt like I'd never accomplished enough. But Mm. also, when I would ever discuss things that my uh, dad was doing as far as the way he was critical and I would ask for him to stop, he wasn't understanding because he thought that my success was because of his criticism, not in spite of. Oh, wow. No, wait. Now, did you have that self-awareness of that before your therapy or was that Um, during? Because, you know, when you go to therapy, you can start seeing a lot of things. I knew that. I knew that he thought my success was because he was super hypercritical. I did know that. And there was nothing I could do to get him to shake him from that. There was nothing. My mom, my parents are still married. They're together today. 
So it wasn't even like, I didn't have like a a wayward father I never knew. He was in my house every day Mm. to this day. He will drive from Dallas here to change my light bulb. If I say, oh, daddy, I'm tired and I need you. You know, we have that now. We didn't used to, but we have it now. Really? it took me going to rehab for him to realize, hmm, this probably, this didn't work. I did something wrong. And I'm so glad that it happened because, but for that, he would have continued that approach. Was he in denial at first? For sure. Well, let me think about it. Okay. I was cute. I I grew up modeling TV, acting film, like as a little girl, was always on TV um, always on little commercials and stuff. And then when I was 16, I got a full ride to study finance at one of the top universities in America. Then when I was 19, I got a paid, I got an internship to study abroad in London to study finance. Every summer in college, I had a paid Fortune 500 internship. Wow. Um, and then when I was like 21, I got almost a full ride to an Ivy League law school, which is where I attended. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, graduated at 25 during the recession, making more than both of my parents' salaries combined. So really, Um, and then you got my brother, he's in the middle. He is, you know, uh, he's a music producer who has songs that weren't, you know, up for Grammys. Then I got my baby sister who, before she was 30, uh, was approved to own her first Chick-fil-A, you know, major oh, franchise. Wow. Okay. So you've got these three high achieving kids and we love daddy. And you know, our parents were together and stuff, but he wasn't realizing it was in spite of. So now the other thing I had to work on was learning how to talk to men. Cause I, I would talk to him really ugly and he would talk to me back really ugly. So I had to change the discourse because mm-hmm. I had to own my responsibility. I'm not a little girl anymore. I'm in my thirties. So if you don't want a man to come back to you fussing and cussing, you can't start with him mm-hmm. talking ugly and demeaning. So I now know I can control the entire tone of an argument with a man just by instead of saying, I hate you. I wish I had a, you know, I wish I had a different daddy. Or I, da, da, da. I say, that really hurt my feelings. End of conversation. That's all I have to say. That hurt my feelings. I have to go now. Hang up. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Daddy, sorry. Daddy, sorry. Daddy didn't mean to do it. I had a bad day. You know, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. But you have to take the lead. You have to teach people how to treat you, but you have to treat them the way you want to be treated. Be treated. Even, Mm -hmm. Even in an argument. Man, you know, at least he was receptive. Right. Because my father, (laughs) because he didn't grow, he had his own childhood trauma or unresolved (laughs) as most of us. Same. Right. Right. And because he did not address those at all, he has no, his emotion, his he does not respond to emotions well. Or excuse me, he doesn't respond to them at all. So I know, mm, I know. But I know. but but does he generally get presented with emotions or anger? Oh, before anger, definitely. 
So you're right. Who is going to be able to respond or react to that? But now Cause that it, I... Because mm-hmm. that's a little... Those two are a little different. And it, and I know I, I know exactly what you're talking to. There are men who can... Like, if they see a woman cry, they're just like, oh, I'll call you back. <laughs> I'll call you back. And then they don't call you back. Yeah. Ever. They don't... Cannot <laughs> handle it. But going to therapy... So now, like you, learning communication skills and to not have that super black woman, like nothing bothers me. Like, no, you're hurting my feelings. And this is why you're hurting my feelings. And yeah. it literally was like talking to a brick, like these bricks behind me. It was literally like talking to the Did brick. Did he have a wife? Oh, Did yeah. My parents are still together, too. Yeah. Was to she point. able to... I mean, because there's only so much a a, a mama could do, you know? <laughs> and then it's like, you know your daddy. Yeah. But, you know, it's so funny you said that with, you know, your dad, you know, your dad, then you hear it from family members. Oh, that's how your father is. But as an adult, I started subconsciously dating my father. Yeah, Not like him, but those characteristics of... Um, the emotional blocks. Oh, yeah, and, I did that. Yeah. Up until I worked through it. I ha- I had me one of those. Oh, boy. Congrats. Seven years. I looked up. I was like, why can't I get rid of you and leave you alone? You're not even that cute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, oh, wait, you treat me just as he does. And I was like, F this. I'm getting rid of the both of you. And exactly. that's what I went to when I started therapy. I said, here's what I'm working on. This is what I realized. I need to get rid of both of these Negroes. How do I do it? <laughs> and I couldn't get I couldn't get the boy I was dating. Well, I actually didn't care to ask him, but I did ask my dad. And I don't know if he voluntarily did it or if my mom made him. That might be part of it. Wait, you asked advice. your dad what? Come on. I said, come on. You need to come in here. Sit with me on this couch. I'm not okay. And it's because of you. Come sit over here. Really? Yes. You have one choice. You're going to be my father and sit here and we figure this out or you leave me alone. Don't come over here when you need to go into a nursing home because, you know, I got a good little 401k and IRA and some investment properties. Mm -hmm. You go bother my sister. Ask her to wipe your bottom. When you yes. get old. Say it. Say it. So you're going to do the work now and be comfortable later or your booty's going to itch in a nursing home. <laughs> oh my God. This sounds so familiar. <laughs> my outcome was not the same. At- oh. Listen. Well, we- let's keep working on it. Oh let's no. keep trying. You're done? Um, yeah, it has to be. Okay. Have, yeah. you grieved- have you grieved it? I believe in closure too. I had, you know what? Hey, Erica. That's a, one of my co-hosts. You need to check <gasps> her out. Dope discussions. She's huge on mental health as well. Wonderful. Yeah, but um, so backstory, I didn't know this, but my father is a narcissist. Oh, of course he is. Yes, mine too. Mm, yeah. They have to be. Uh, the, the fact pattern we're describing is that of a daddy narcissist. Uh-huh. Exactly. And anything, if it does not make him look good, he is not mm. on board at all. And when we went 
to group therapy, family. Got oh it. He lied the entire time. It was it was literally like running your useless. head into a brick. It was useless. Understood. Truly useless. And I, I'm like, I'm glad you asked me that about the grieving part because I did. Good. And I did not realize that I had to grieve it to get past it, but I had to look within and find my own closure because yeah. if I was always looking for other people, other men to help me with that closure, then I'm just hanging on a wire, just waiting for someone. So I had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And part of that grieving was to be a, a gray rock. Just, I can't do it yeah. because I, I always give options, you know, we're going to have this kind of relationship of respectful relationship mm-hmm. or we just can't have one at all. At you know, all. I'm, I'm not going to be here just as an emotional punching bag. And mm-hmm. so don't that's... come up here asking me for stuff either. Yeah, but, exactly. That, and that's hard. That's Let me tilt this up a little bit. That's hard with parents, of course. I oh, am yeah. very good at teaching people how to treat me. I've become very good. Girl, and you got to say it. Yes. Thank you. And I realized I had become a relationship gumbo podcast. I love that. Hey, girl. Um, I realized I had become good at it when certain things would happen. In my up, and I wouldn't necessarily be there. My friends would say, ooh, that wouldn't happen if Simone was here. So-and-so wouldn't have did that if Simone was here. And it just kind of warmed my heart. It warmed my heart. I'm like, no. But then at the same time, I have to watch it because sometimes things, people, other friends will do something to a friend or people will do something to a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, no, you wouldn't have did that in front of me. Or you wouldn't have done that to me. And I don't like that. Don't mistreat my friends. See, I love it. Oh, we have a hello for you. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? <laughs> That's Erica. Hey, Erica. <laughs> so has there been a trickle down effect with your friends your your uh platonic friends your girlfriends that you've gone to therapy and they're like um she's, she's acting different in so. a good way I'm yeah definitely um in private and definitely oh different people will call me like randomly i like people i don't even know they'll be like i got a call one night where it was like hey a friend of mine is having a nervous breakdown and they actually uh, check themselves into uh, a place in your city, you know, for mental health. Would you mm. mind going and talking to that person? I absolutely did. They didn't know me from campaign. I didn't know them. I sat with them. Well, first I text them because I know the food up in there is nasty. And I was like, girl, do you need me to sneak you something? And I snuck her in a burger came up. I guess what she like, um, with cheese, <laughs> no mayonnaise. She don't like mayonnaise. And I brought it in and, you know, we talked further and I think it was just and I made sure like I looked nice and presentable right. and I think it made her happy just to know like regular people go, go through this too like they don't all yeah. look crazy or they're not all old like I look I was her and she is me see you know what I have a question for you and I actually was going to ask you this but leave it up to Erica I love it she wanted to ask Simone, what do you think about the new cast of Ready to Love having conversations about therapy early in the dating stage? Erica, thank you for that. Hey, Erica. I think that's a great idea, especially because I always say you don't get cast on a, a dating reality show unless there's something wrong with you, you know? 
And in the end, actually, there's something wrong with everybody. So I don't say wrong. Let's not say wrong. We'll say no. um, When I say wrong, I I say it from the standpoint of don't you dare get in a relationship expecting perfection from anyone. Yeah, there's going to be something about someone that you don't like or something that you find to be a challenge or an issue, right? With Mm -hmm. everyone. So it's a matter of finding someone where whatever those challenges are, they're workable, they're Mm -hmm. livable, they're doable. And I also say with myself, your goal is simply in your life to get yourself to a point where whatever your imperfections are, they're ones that even with them, you're proud to be yourself. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, speaking of the perfection, you just gave me an aha moment. I realized in my dating career that I wanted perfection. It had to be perfect. I wanted to live the Claire and Cliff Huxtable. Yeah. Because I never had that growing up. I didn't witness that. So mm-hmm. I wanted the total opposite, but it, that's not a reality. Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. And I think in the in present day dating, one of the biggest challenges is is just coming to an agreement with yourself, coming to a balance with yourself to figure out okay, what can I reasonably do without? Of my list of deal breakers and this and that, what what am I willing to compromise on? Because it's got to be something. Mm-hmm. And in doing it in a way, because like, in, yeah, in my relationship, that's something that we talk about all the time. It's like expectations versus delivery. And I'll say, and then I was like, listen, I don't, I cannot meet that expectation. And he'll say the same. I can't, I said, well, let's talk about it. So that we can revise ours. Because as long as I revise my expectation, you can never disappoint me. If I expect you to come home every day by 8 p.m. or 7 p.m., right, and be ready for dinner. Mm -hmm. And then you tell me I can't do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I coach, you know, basketball or whatever. Right, right. I can revise my expectation. And I will never be disappointed. But if you never tell me that. And I have to be like, well, what's he doing today? Oh, today he's out with his boys. And tomorrow he's doing something that he's prioritized over me. Give me the opportunity to adjust my expectation. It's all about the communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I want it and I want to give it as well. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like what you said about, well, if I don't hear from him, he's probably out doing whatever. (laughs) But it would be triggering my abandonment issues from childhood. It's just about communication. That's communication. all. But speaking of the castmates, oh, Erica said, this was dope. That's good. Revise your expectations. Yep. Yeah. That, and I feel one. like I have discovered that is so key to happiness in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, just- any type of, not just dating, but also like best friends and stuff. And jobs. <laughs> You know, you sign up for a job thinking your job's going to be one way and you get in there and there is always new things thrown at you. Right. Oh, girl. Yes. Yes. And revise your expectations, but don't lose yourself. Right. Yes. Because you have to talk about it and do it in a way that you where you still feel like you're giving and you're getting reasonable value. Yes, mm-hmm. that part. Because I just realized I had to stop entering situations where I felt like I wasn't 
I wasn't getting the value of what I was worth because when I do that, then I just, I'm executing because I said I was going to do something, but then I'm like stank acting and I'm like angry. <laughs> oh my God. So let me ask you this with the, oh, Erica said, I've always said this ain't in my job description. Right. <laughs> I know that's right. And I can hear Erica's voice too when I just read <laughs> saying that right now. I can hear it. <laughs> but with a when you joined Ready to Love, is it true that they had everybody do the mental health screening? Oh yeah. Um yeah, what do they call that test? Yeah, I need to I actually I want to find out what it was like. I remember when I did it, which is 500 and some maybe almost 600 questions. I can't recall. Like, Are you kidding me? It's Ooh. a personality test. It's actually the same personality test that would like if you are, um, if you're in a custody battle, then uh, they do something called a social study um, to determine like if either parent has any personality disorders, uh, social disorders, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Um, it will determine if someone is a narcissist. So they'll see on that paper. They'll know which of the cast members are narcissists. And I know I have a person. So I have a personality disorder. Right. I don't remember what mine is called or whatever, but I remember I told I told it to Rasheed one day, like recently, like maybe two weeks ago. I intentionally like waited until he was like all the way in love, and, <laughs> you know, brought me to the family reunion, and you know, right. his family loves me bigger than they love him. Or okay, not bigger, but you know, regular. He's up here. I'm right here. Uh, right. I was like, I said something, something. I said, oh, you know. I said, I said, well, you know, that's what happens when you love a girl with a personality disorder. He went. What? Did Wait, he really? And I said, oh, I didn't tell you. I said, yeah. Cause, oh, because that's what it was. We were working on like, it was like editing a video or something. And he gets on me because I am a super perfectionist. So sometimes I will re-edit, re-edit so long that I get something out late and it drives nuts. Right. So I was like, yeah, I didn't tell you. Well, whatever. I forget the name of it, but the personality disorder that I have is an oh it's literally it's my doctor uh calls it like overachievers disorder literally what it means is it makes you like a perfectionist want to do everything so perfectly um so much so that literally sometimes you'll redo an assignment or a task so and you'll be so intricate with it you don't even get it finished sometimes or you won't even release like artists suffer it from some suffer from it sometimes and they'll just work on a painting and they'll be like, no, it's not good enough. I won't even release it. Like I won't even sell it um, because they create such high expectations for themselves. Well, I'm certain that came out in the personality test. Sorry. That's what I'm getting at. Uh And by that coming out, it was absolutely positively perfect. Right. For them to then put me on the very first episode. Where did I end up at the bottom? Did you? I don't remember that. Uh, I ended up at the bottom, almost going home the first episode. This test told them I had that personality disorder. With that personality disorder, to be at the bottom of anything will trigger every insecurity, every flaw. You will literally get a different person. They knew what they were doing. They're geniuses. Oh my God. They're really. And I I wasn't on like my ADD medicine or anything. And I was like, why am I acting like this? Why do I feel this way? Why am I so emotional? 
bam. It triggered my personality disorder. And, you know, I don't have access to talk about it. Because mine is not one. There's no medicine for what I have. So this was this diagnosis was from that test that they gave? No, no, no. I had it previous. Oh. Previous in life. Got it. By a doctor. It's something many att- lawyers, doctors, astrophysicists, like highly... Uh, intelligent mm-hmm. people suffer from it, right? And the huge problem... High achievers. High achievers. Thank you. Yeah, it's not even intelligence. It's not about intelligence at all. It's about the right. achievement. Um, the biggest problem with it is you don't know you have it. And the, um, and the only reason people even try or start to think about dealing with it or even getting a diagnosis is because it impacts your personal relationships. Uh, you get late for things. People are tired of you always being late. Um, if you're the boss, which I was, I had a staff of like five. Right. It makes you, you're not a good boss. Sometimes you can talk to people ugly. Were you a micromanager? Would you mm-hmm. think you was? Mm. Yes. Or you don't even give people tests because you're like, they're not going to do it as good as I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it myself. I've experienced that from so an you employer. you put too much on your plate and then nothing gets done or it does not enough gets done or it doesn't get done right. enough correctly yeah so we have a question does it trigger anxiety oh, yeah <laughs> yeah i've had an employer like that and she literally would lose it she did she wanted everything perfect but she wanted she didn't trust anybody else to do it for her so she if we would get get off at 4 30 she wasn't leaving work until 7 p.m almost every night and then blow up. Same. I've been here all night. I remember one time my assistant, my legal secretary, she did my calendar. She just, she got mixed up on the time zones. I think she was, she was in a, a different time zone when she said it. So I showed up to an appointment an hour early. Who cares? Uh-oh. It's early. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Aside from the fact I could have been in the office longer doing some things, but at least I wasn't late. Right. And I remember when she called, she was very quiet. She was like, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're actually an hour early. And I said, this is why I'm crazy. <laughs> it's not funny, but it I, is funny. <laughs> Did you, Simone? Oh, my God. I know so much. It was many, 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 many years ago. And I have apologized profusely since then and explained the error in my ways. And she has moved on and she's doing wonderful things in her life and does not have to deal with crazy bosses like I was. <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I say, yep, they give us the test. I am a great example of how that test works in action. Hey, right. Dave. Um, and all, all reality shows do it too. So I, I don't want anyone to think it's a manipulation tactic of ready to love. No, 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 no. They mm-hmm. like, it actually started with the bachelor. They, um, they did it first. Really? Uh-huh. And there's in the doctor who reads it, that particular, there's only a few doctors. And then I think there's only three in the world that know how to properly interpret those results. And that doctor gets hired by Real- bad girls club, um, the Bachelor, Love Island, like any of those, he does it. Wow, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yep, I 
could have to look that up. I'm always intrigued by the mind, anything yeah. to do with the mind and how personalities are and how people navigate. That's For some sure. good, good nuggets right there. Hmm. So with the present cast, did you, have you noticed that a lot of them talk about their mental health or therapy uh, in general? Let me think, you know, we've had two episodes not so much with this one. Oh, 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 yes. It was the former military guy, Cornelius, that just got added this week. I heard him discuss it. Cornelius. And in the man. last cast, Ty, who was also former military, he discussed it. You know, because military, military, you automatically get PTSD, period. If you've been deployed, you have PTSD. Ain't no way around it. I don't care if you were in working the file cabinet. I've never met anybody that was deployed to the Afghanistan area and came back the same ever. I know, you it's know impossible. what? I listened to one of his his Instagram lives. I was in tears when he was describing how just what he's gone through. And I was like, damn, how can you not have PTSD when every day you wake up thinking that's going to be your last day? Right. God damn. That's the one of those things they don't tell you when they come into your little high school classroom. Telling you, <laughs> no. come, come this way, don't go to college. That's why my, I went to a, a black Catholic school. That's why my I had a, a white teacher. Bless her heart, I love her. She came from corporate America. And she would not let them in her classroom. Because we it was AP. She said no. She said, y'all go down to Highland Park. That was the white public school with the rich white kids. She said, y'all go down to Highland Park and y'all recruit the dumb kids over there. Don't come get my smart black ones. I love her. We need to protect her. Miss Bowie, y'all, let's protect Miss Bowie. Where's Miss Bowie at? Yes. Yeah. Miss Bowie, who was my sweet little Cajun uh, math, calculus, statistics professor, uh, teacher at Bishop Dunge, sweetest pie. I love her. I don't even know her and I love her. <laughs> Everyone listening right now, because there's a lot of people on, I would love for you right now, just subscribe. Hit that little box in the lower yes. right corner. Simone, tell them to subscribe, girl. Y'all, subscribe here. Y'all just scroll over. Subscribe. So you'll get the alerts and you'll hear more of these kind of conversations, y'all. We need them. We do need them. and We need, what's her name? Miss who? Bill? The teacher you just talked about? Oh, Miss Bowie. Bowie. Yes. Yeah. Miss Bowie. Oh, I love my teacher, Miss Bowie. Yes. She's retired now, I believe. She's a former executive with PepsiCo. And then mm. she came over to my Black Catholic school in Dallas, Bishop Dunn, and taught statistics, calculus, all kind of little math classes. And she would do it in a professional context. It was amazing. See, and you never know with all these people listening right now, there could be a Mr. or Mrs. Bowie listening right. right now, knowing that it's okay to talk about, it's okay to be black and talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. It is okay. You, you'll live through it. You will live through it. Yes. Because you can so, talk about it or you can live it in silence and suffer in it. That's what we don't want. Exactly. Don't do you don't so, have to do that. What are other ways that we can reduce the stigma of mental health, in your opinion? I think certainly talking about it. Um, but I think it, it has to be something that's lived. And I think the other thing is people just mm. have to be, have, have to have more awareness as far as understanding how accessible it is. Um, it used to be really mm. difficult to access it because it wasn't mandated that your insurance included it. 
Now, thanks to our wonderful former president, Obama, mm -hmm. all insurance must have, it's called behavioral health. There must be behavioral health coverage that's mm -hmm. included. Also, if you work for an employer, meaning uh, I'm not including people whose insurance is solely because you're self-employed. If you work for any entity, there's something called um, the Employee Assistance Program, which is EAP. Can e someone listening, can you write that in the comment section? Yeah. Can you repeat that again? Sure. EAP, put in there, the Employee Assistance Program. If you're an employee, you can use your EAP for therapy with about, a, it's a $20 deductible, if that. And what's cool is it's per issue. So all you do, call the EAP hotline. You tell them the zip code of the neighborhood for which you'd like to get your therapy in. So if you want it to be by your job, if you want to go after work or on your lunch break, give them your job. If you want it closer to your house, you give them your house zip code. Mm -hmm. Then EAP will tell you what doctor will accept the EAP program, which your job is already paid for. So you can go to that if you're having issues with your child. If you're having issues with your child hanging with the wrong crowd. You and your kid can go on in there. If you're having issues with your child, maybe their parent, their other parent isn't very active. Go on in there with your kid. Anybody in your household can go. You can have your kid go in there themselves. You're kidding you also, me. Yes. And then you can go. You generally get 10 sessions per topic. That's separate from the behavioral health coverage. 10 per topic. Let's per say you topic? got a boyfriend. Let's say you got a boyfriend and he getting on your nerves. The two of y'all get 10 sessions. Then separately, you get 10 of your own. Maybe you hate your job and you're thinking about stabbing your boss in the eye. <laughs> Go. <laughs> you get 10 sessions. Maybe your job is stressing you. They can actually help you get what's called paid stress leave. I didn't know that was a thing. It was the white girls at my job used to get it all the time. Mm -hmm. We had this particular uh, partner at my firm who was abusive and terrible. And he'd make all the little white ladies cry. Mm -hmm. and, and so they figure in the white women would leave and then they would uh, collect stress leave. Stress leave is under workers' compensation. So it's effectively how you can get paid to not go to work. Paid to not go to work because your boss is abusive, harassing, a hostile, hostile work environment. Well, I didn't know that my firm had developed the policy because all of the little white girls would cry and leave. And he was very, very powerful. We had very powerful fashion clients. So they developed the philosophy, oh, just give them to the black girls. So they gave him a black assistant and they gave him a black associate, myself, because they decided that black girls are tougher. We don't why over of this course guy? not. That's the other of course girl. not. Well, because we didn't know we could. <laughs> we thought we'd get fired. Right. We get fired for breathing. We get fired for wearing the sleeveless top. And if it's a business, corporate, professional environment, we, you know, I didn't right. know that we don't have to get abused. So, Needless to say, I'm just saying that like all of these things, including hostile work environment, these are things that resources like EAP or just whoever your therapist is, you can talk to them about it. You don't have to sit around and get abused, by the way, anymore. Mm, I love what you said, anymore. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
literally workers' compensation mandates. And every state's different. But in my state, which is Texas, workers' compensation, I believe you get up to like 60% of, at, at some point you get your, initially, I believe you get your full salary. And then later on, you get up to 60% of your full salary to what? Not go to work. And then in that case, you're also, they're required to try and give you uh, alternative work assignments, meaning give you a boss that doesn't harass you, doesn't create the hostile work environment, doesn't cuss you out, doesn't flip over chairs and those kind of things. And or you can use that time to find another job, a job that doesn't mistreat you. And they're not allowed as you're, you know, if you're looking for another job, right. they don't call your current job. And be like, hey, what kind of employee? No, they only do that after you've left. So it's always, I always say, I've learned now, it's always good to, if you're in such a hostile situation, look for another job, you know, while you're in the other situation, because they'll never call your current one. You are dropping gems. <laughs> if anyone listening right now, Sorry. if you've had, <laughs> I love it though. I'm if off you, on a tangent, I apologize. No, this is good because a lot of us never, I never knew the intricate details of how it can be done. You know, yeah. a lot of Just us. Stress and, leave. Any, therapist, yeah. any therapist can literally, they will write you a letter that says, write your job a letter. And this, you know how you go to like your regular doctor, if you're in a car accident and says, can't come back to work for this many days. Yeah. You'll have a therapist that says my client, you know, my patient is not permitted to return to work for the next two weeks. Um, and then in the two weeks, and they can even say, and she needs to be reassigned to an environment less hostile or under different Girl. conditions, blah, 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 blah. Where were you all my life? This is something that I, and anybody listening, if you've had any kind of hostile work environment, drop a one in the comment section. Mm -hmm. I mean, my God. Y'all, that's why you need to subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is called Girl, is that legal? Because we talk about all these kinds of different things that who even knew had a legal component to them. Exactly. But I want to talk about that for sure. But we have one more question. But I definitely want to talk about that. Um, yeah. We have a question. Simone, do you think that men are catching up with women and being open to therapy? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think especially highly intelligent men are realizing how necessary it is, mm -hmm. how happy it makes them. And they see other women who go to therapy as equally intelligent. They yes. don't see it as, oh my God, what's wrong with her? No, they're like, ah, oh, she gets it. Exactly. She gets mm -hmm. it. You know, I definitely, that's actually a turn on that a man will tell me that he's gone to therapy or going to therapy. Right. Oh, my God. That's the new sexy. Actually, one of my deal breakers is a man who refuses to go to therapy. So ladies mm -hmm. and men out there, if this is something important to you, when you are evaluating someone and, you know, you guys are discussing deal breakers, you should really talk about that. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen I've seen various relationships. I Right now I'm watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And in their marriage, the little Asian girl that's not coming back. She's mm. um, in their marriage. They're going through an issue because he wants her to have another child. And she's kind of like, no, I almost died the last time I attempted. And mm. she said, I think we should go to therapy. He's refusing. Mm -mm. If it's something important to you, 
you need to know if you're entering a marriage with a man who doesn't believe in therapy, because what that says is once you get to a roadblock, he ain't budging. A roadblock meaning it will stay blocked. It will stay blocked. Once you get to a roadblock in your relationship, it's going to be his way or no way. So just determine if that's okay with you. See, and this is why to bring this conversation full circle, why it's so awesome to have an open dialogue about mental health, because it can help improve relationship with self, with your relationship with others, and with your job. For sure. You just dropped a gazillion gems right there. And you're right, Erica, a man who refuses therapy is a red flag. Bam. You know, I've had a, he's probably going to listen to this, but I'm just going to say it. He's an ex from years and years ago. But when I told him how I started having this epiphany, like uh, being a mental health advocate, well, why? You know, black people don't need that. You know, we've gotten through a lot worse. Sir, we haven't even healed from, from slavery. What are you talking about? Ah, yeah. So I know (laughs) and Cerinthia said, very true. It took a lot for me to convince my husband of the importance of counseling. I remember in college, I had a friend who was a psychology major and she needed, I was trying to convince her that she needed therapy and she refused. She was like, I read all the books and I take all the classes at these people. And I was like, girl, (laughs) what? You said, girl, (laughs) but you know, a lot of us, and I get it because I've been there before when we do read books and listen to podcasts, but we tend to intellectualize it more than actually feeling it and absorbing and truly learning as opposed to just gathering information, Mm -hmm. you know? Agreed. Yeah. So we're going to end it but before we do everyone take a look in the comment section we already have one person that just subscribed thank you your channel celeste the therapist hey celeste but everyone right now take a screenshot or click on the link and this is simone's yeah right down there (laughs) so I do enjoy your ages and stages podcast. Thank you. I really do. It's very entertaining. You all are great. But when you came out with, girl, is that legal? I said, let me watch this and see what's going on. I love it. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. And everyone, when you subscribe, make sure you click the bell notification. Yes. Like you get all the notifications. Yes. For all my new videos that are going to come out yeah and it's a lot of nice bite-sized little nuggets but it, it's a dope channel it really is and you're so smart you're just <laughs> out with it i was like okay thank okay. you so, you know i just had fun i've had like a lot of just like tough experiences in life and my mom always says well you know what now that you've learned from x y or z experience now you're gonna be able to help someone else so really i chose to start this because i have a lot of people that would ask me for different varied legal advice and i became the friend my friends used to tease me and call me google because they knew that if they couldn't figure out the answer to something i could lead either answer it or lead them in a direction for an answer Mm -hmm. so i was like you know what let me start this so i can share some of my experiences 
just what I explained with the whole hostile work environment and applying for stress leave. Right. And going from there. Mm. So what was the girl is that legal? How'd you come up with that name? Oh, a, a guy I was dating at the time. He told me, he was like, this is what you should call it. And I was like, wonderful. Thank you, sir. Really? Mm-hmm. He, at first it was just, is that legal? And then I wanted to add girl to it because it was just kind of like, because it's literally what my friends would be like, girl, is that legal? Like at the end of the day, whoever was asking me the question, all they really generally wanted to know was, can somebody do this? Is this legal? Mm-hmm. You know, black folks, we're going to ask, is that legal? Because right. I want to sue. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so we have another compliment for you. Celeste says, I can't wait. I love your energy. Thank you, Celeste. I appreciate and as it. As well as smart and so kind, I can tell there are no wrong questions with you. Thank that you. That is super true, super true. Oh, and I want to encourage you guys, definitely, definitely, um, subscribe next week. We're confirming the date, but next week I'm so excited for any of you guys who watch. You don't even have to watch the show, but it's Love After Lockup. Mm, it's a reality show out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the current season is actually Love During Lockup. It's about people who have. It's actually very hilarious and entertaining, but it's about people who have uh, met inmates, and then the inmates are about to get out, and they've developed this love relationship. Well, right. Um, this season, they had a woman on there who I thought was just like, she was like so cute and relatable. Her name is Ty. She is based in New York. Well, I'm going to have her on. So on the episode, she's dating this guy who's incarcerated named Hottie. She actually talks about how she's actually she's kind of cheating on him. Okay, She's dating like four prisoners. Okay. She's got a schedule. She manages them. And she's cute. Really? She's, she's not even ugly. And she talks about how she loves to date prisoners. And this one guy that she's dating, apparently he has another girl who thinks she's his girlfriend. And the girl releases her nudes all over Facebook. You are lying. On Girl Is That Legal, we talk about what do you do if someone is releasing your nudes or threatening to release your nudes? What are your options? And then we just also talk about her experience being on Love after lock, love during lockup and dating prisoners. And then I love hooking people up. So we're going to talk. And then, you know, maybe after a little bit of therapy, I'm going to hook her up with somebody who's not incarcerated. You know what? Keep doing God's work. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Oh my God. Everyone, make sure and take a screenshot. Make sure and go to her, uh, to Simone's page and i also put if this is on a replay i put her link in the show description box so there's no excuse thank you make sure and just clip it and bam it'll take you right to her page so this is some good stuff what was your most your your favorite uh girl is that legal episode because you dropped some goodness okay actually it hasn't posted yet but one of them would be um, how to own your own Chick-fil-A for 10,000 bucks. That one's coming up, guys. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, wait, we have a new subscriber. There we Woo-hoo! go. Thank you. Thanks, Cerinthia. Oh, my gosh. I grew up with a girl named Cerinthia. Cerinthia's are always, like, super sweet. I feel oh, like it's like a little baby angel name. And yes. she is so beautiful. Her spirit oh, is so kind. Yes, oh, and she great. birthed a, a little angel. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, tell me now. 
Yeah, so uh, I did an episode on, uh, yep, how to own a Chick-fil-A for 10,000 bucks. Because I'm really big. Like a lot of people just, you know, we all talk about, we all talk about wanting to like, I'm going to start my own business, start my own business. Mm -hmm. But I'm really big on, sometimes you want to buy a business that exists. Girl, speak your speech. Why create the wheel where you can buy one and just tune it up, you know? So, yep. So one of them that's coming out, that's going to come out in the next week, how to own your own Chick-fil-A for 10,000 bucks and some other franchises that you can purchase, you know, for under a hundred K. So as you're thinking about different businesses, Mm -hmm. you can think, okay, this, maybe this makes sense, especially because ding, ding, ding with the SBA. Okay. When you're out there and you're trying to get a loan, if you can show the business, like is already making revenue Instead of having to come up with 20 or 30% collateral, you only have mm-hmm. to come up with 10%. You're kidding me. 10%. Oh. If it's an existing business. But if you come up there talking about, I want to start my own from the ground up, that's when you got to do 20%, 30%, you know, second mortgage, all this foolishness. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is why Girl, everybody... Is Right. This is why you have to click on the notifications all. Please and thank you. Yes. So you get all the notifications, y'all. Huh. So what kind of law do you specialize in? So I specialize in every day. I do the, I do wrongful death. I do car accidents. I um, do car accidents through my firm in the state of Texas, Georgia, and Florida. 18 wheelers, um, you know, hit by an Amazon truck, hurt within an Uber, that kind of thing. And then I also do small business. I've done the buying and selling of franchises, that really? type of thing. Mm-hmm. LLCs, that sort of thing as well. I watched your your episode about the LLCs when you were on Kamisha. Yes. And I was in there. I have my LLC. <laughs> Very good. Very, very good. I do. I do. I had yes. that. Matter of fact, I just renewed it uh, Friday, as a matter very of fact. Good. Yeah, but that was very informative. And what I love about your channel is you explain it in layman's terms, and it's extremely relatable. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I was explaining um, punitive damages <laughs> one day, and I was explaining that like punitive damages are basically the court's way of making an example out of you. So I was saying it's like when you break something at your granny house and your granny says to you and your cousins, go outside and get a switch. And then she takes the switch and she whoop you in front of your cousins. And each of y'all got to watch. And she does that so y'all know, don't y'all be running in her good room with the good furniture and the white furniture, don't y'all run in there knocking stuff over anymore, right? Just to make an example out of you. And that that's what the court did with Tasha Kay. That's what I was when they made her pay uh, $1.5 million to Cardi B just for punitive damages. They said, now you knew this girl didn't have herpes, but you kept saying it on your page and you've left that video up now for two years, you little raggedy chick, <laughs> you little raggedy skank, and you made a lot of money off of it, you little skank today. Yeah. Okay. That's what they did. They whooped her with a switch. The court whooped Tasha K with a switch. That's so if good. she would have just taken the videos down, it would. you think the punitive damages would have been It wouldn't even be a lawsuit. Sw- That's no. the reason yeah. for the suit. So yes, both. 
because that's how defamation works. The minute you know, you are informed that this is a lie. If you don't pull it down, they about to get the switch. They about to get the switch on you. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. she's running around grandma's white furniture with no plastic on the furniture. Mm-hmm. With Spilling Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. <laughs> Spilling Kool-Aid. Huh. Cutting up. Cutting Interesting. up. Interesting. Shame on her. Shame on her. Well, you know what? Her ego has gotten the best of her. And this is a very long, skinny switch she's getting. <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't seem like. Well, she's not willing to acknowledge defeat or whatever, whatever, but mm, she might should. She might should. I mean, she's, like they say in my mother's country, you're going to be wrong and strong to the end. (laughs) And bro, she'd be cutting up because like Cardi B said, Cardi B really will own her YouTube channel. Because let me tell you, you can if, if she were to try to file bankruptcy to Tasha K were to file bankruptcy to try and get out of paying it, mm-hmm. a bankruptcy court <laughs> would literally put the YouTube channel up for bid. And you're lying. No, what? no, bad girl. That's how bankruptcy works. Really? Bankruptcy work. Oh, here's how I know. I used to uh there's a the chain Joe's Crab Shack. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, I used to represent, I used to defend them in frivolous slip and falls. Well, they filed for bankruptcy, leaving attorneys like myself with bills unpaid and other things. But when they filed, they were able to sell only their assets. So if you're a YouTuber and you're a YouTube LLC, your asset is your channel. They make you put any asset up for auction. Before you can settle out your bankruptcy, meaning she will have to auction that. And I'll bet you what Cardi B will buy it. (laughs) Cardi B would buy it and own it. And Tasha K would be no more. She will literally have to start all over. Now she could start all over under a new name and you know, that might work just fine. But the risk of having to do that, the time involved with having to do that. Right. I mean, she has, That's a, a, last I knew, a million subscribers. That takes a minute to get out it there. It takes even... a minute. Yeah. So as a result, I don't anticipate her trying to file bankruptcy anytime soon if she's, a, if she's aware of that risk. Because the last thing she wants is Cardi B to own Unwind with Tasha K and mm. her having to restart it and being Unwind, Unwind, Unwind. Reload it. <laughs> the remix. The remix. <laughs> Man, if she, well, she's dug her own hole. You know, I was watching one of her lives and one of her s- subscribers put in the chat, Tasha, we still love you. It's okay to admit that you were wrong. So even her subscribers are still giving her grace, but you know. She just refuses. She's talking about the machine and the this and the that, but. When someone someone had mentioned, and I had to remember, this is the same young lady who reminded us she'd been to ninth grade three times, which I didn't even know that was possible. I only I thought you could only do a specific grade two. I thought it was twice. Yeah, I thought she said three. I could be wrong. 
Either way. No, I've heard three as well. I've yeah, she did it three of the times. So, um, yeah, yeah. Bless her heart. Too bad they didn't have Kumon back then. Or Sylvan. I said it's too bad they didn't have Kumon or the Sylvan Learning Center back then. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it really works. <laughs> oh, the shade of it all. Simone, I would love for you to come back on again. Thank you were you. so I really fun. enjoyed myself. Yeah, this was fun. This was really good stuff. And I love how we truly brought everything full circle. Oh, yes. Simone, you are a black girl that has her shit together. Oh! Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm so honored. Thank so, you. You're welcome. You're so welcome. So are there any parting words before we finish and log off? No, I just want to say, in addition to my girl is at legal Tune in each week to Ages and Stages. That's the name of the YouTube channel. We also just rolled out. Uh, we are now on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So you can listen to us there as well. And that's my boyfriend and I, Rashid, as mm -hmm. we talk about, we do weekly reaction videos, but we also talk about dating, love, relationships, and all that other good-ish. How <laughs> did y'all come up with that name, Ages and Stages? He did. Um, it actually referred to... When he was on the stage and they had asked him about would he ever uh, give Adriana another shot, um, you know, after things didn't work out with her and the other guy. And he said, well, I think she's a wonderful girl, but I think that we're both at different ages and stages in our life. So that's where it came from. Okay, Rashid. Yeah. The lyricist. The lyricist. Oh, gosh. Don't tell him that. <laughs> you can tell him I said that. He's like a nerd rapper. It's precious. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh, I need to make a suggestion for you all. Go for it. You all should do that. Those little reels where somebody's talking in the background. Which one sleeps the longest? Oh my gosh. I told him this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Because you, you don't have so much personality. That would Thank be really you. cute. That I think that's a really great cute. idea. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Again, everyone, make sure and subscribe to Simone's YouTube channels. I put them both in the description box. Thank as you. well as subscribing to my channel, Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Go to that lower right corner and click the subscribe button and make sure and like and share with at least two friends. Simone, two, that's not too big of a number. No, absolutely not. I'm going to share this on my story along with the link. So I'm going to share it with like 50,000 friends. <laughs> I'm always looking for new BFFs. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. <laughs>